0: Welcome to Victory Church, Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. This has been an intense week of preparation for this message. I want to talk to you um, about the last days. And so... Specifically this morning, I want to talk to you about Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and the promise of God in these last days. And it seems like every time that we turn on the news, we get even an up-closer view of the reality of evil in our world. And when we listen to the news, we hear of wars, rumors of wars, violence, pandemics, come on, famine, famine. We hear about natural disasters and the persecutions of of Christian and Jewish people. We're reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. And he said he spoke about these uh, last days and the signs that would accompany them. And these signs would make it obvious that his return is near. The word last days is a biblical, it's a theological word. It's eschatos. It means the last days. And although we can't know everything about the future, how many are grateful that God knows the future? And in scripture, he has told us everything about what is yet to come. The second coming of Christ. Amen. Jesus said these words as be, a, after he was crucified, he was resurrected. He stood before his disciples and before he ascended to heaven. He ascended to heaven, and then the angels said these words to his followers. Men of Galilee, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven the same way that you saw him go. The reality is from the beginning of the redemptive story of God from Genesis all the way through Revelation, one thing that we can agree on, and there are many things um, that when you talk about the last days and the timeline of events that are going to take place in the last days, we might not always agree on everything of cross-Christendom and various denominations believe different things about the timeline of events, but the one thing that we are certain of The one thing that we know that without a shadow of the doubt that is taught in the totality of scripture from Genesis through the prophets to Jesus and given to his apostles is that there will be a day that comes when the Lord Jesus will return. He will come riding on the clouds and he will return to resurrect the dead. To judge those that are evil. To destroy his enemies. He will set up his kingdom. He will establish the millennial kingdom. And then he will create a new heaven and a new earth. As he has bound the devil and all the enemies of God in the lake of fire. This is what we know. This is what we know. I want you to turn in your Bible uh, this week, this morning. Uh, to the book of Psalms chapter 122 we're gonna begin reading at verse 9 there's a lot of scripture that uh, I could share to cover this subject of the last days and I'm not gonna be able to cover it all in depth but I do want to give you an overview of what uh, the scripture teaches about these last days about how we should be living as followers of Jesus and what God's plans for the world what God's plans are for Israel and what God's plans are for us, the church of Jesus Christ. Are you there in your Bible this morning? All right, we're going to read Psalm 122, beginning at verse 1. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All of the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stands the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. This morning, I want to share with you a message entitled, Israel and the Last Days. Would you join your hearts in prayer with me this morning? Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege to gather around your word And now we ask, Lord, that you would open up our ears to hear what you would say. We pray that you would open up our eyes to see what you're doing. And we ask that you would open up our hearts, that we might respond obediently to what you've called us to do and how you've beckoned us and compelled us to live. So, Father, we thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in our life and our hearts. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. This is going to be an intense message, so just going to give you a little bit of warning uh, from the get go. And I might say a few things that trigger some people in here. So if you're easily offended, I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? <laughs> so I'm not giving you uh, my perspective, my thoughts, my opinions, my ideology on what the Bible, what the Scripture says about Israel in the last days. I'm going to give you what the scripture says about the last days in light of what is currently taking place in our world. And how many of you know that we are living in a world of violence, a world of trouble, a world of conflict? And the reality of this conflict is that Whatever takes place in the natural, physical realm and whatever we can see with our eyes always has its origin in the spirit realm, in the area in which we cannot see. You know, if you don't believe that, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 will tell you, we battle, our war, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and Rulers of darkness, of wickedness in the spirit realm. The reality is that the political conflicts, the wars that take place, the natural things that take place, always find their origin in the spirit realm. And as you know by now, Israel, the nation of Israel, is at war. It's a war that they did not start. On Saturday, October the 7th, on their Sabbath, on a holy day in Israel, approximately 1,500 Hamas, Islamic militant terrorists, invaded Israel by land, through motorcycles and jeeps, by sea, through boats, and by air, through paragliders. They brutally and savagely murdered over 1,400 people in Israel. 31 of those were Americans that were killed. Another 13, another 13 are missing. These terrorists um, killed women. They brutally murdered children. They set people on fire. They killed the elderly. It was murderous and it was savage. And it was demonic. Finds its origin in the spirit world From its source of Satan himself. As a result, Israel for the first time since the Yom Kippur War in 1973 has declared war. And they've declared war on this Islamic militant organization known as Hamas. I don't know if you know, but uh, the word Hamas is actually a word that shows up in the scripture. The word Hamas is... A word that is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, and it's the context of this passage in Genesis chapter 6, is the evil that, and, the, and the violence that is taking place in the days of Noah. And Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said, now the, wor- the world, the earth, was corrupt in God's sight, and the world was filled with with violence. That word violence or filled with violence in fact is the word Hamas. If you translate that word into Hebrew, it's the word violence or wickedness. It's physical violence. And in fact uh, this world is filled with violence as a result of an age-old conflict that began to take place um, in heaven when Satan rebelled against God to gather a third of the angels to rebel against God, to set his throne above the throne of God. Also, we see this war, this spiritual war, this, that takes place in the physical, uh, taking place as a result of the calling of a man who was an ungodly man, who was a man who was a pagan, a person who did not know God. His name was Abraham. His name was Abram, actually, when God called him. And he called him out of a pagan society known as Ur of the Chaldees. And it was uh, in Babylon, many uh, theologians believe. He called him out of Babylon uh, by faith. And God says, I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. And in you and in your seed and your descendants, all of the world will be blessed. So this promise to Abraham is called the... Uh, Abrahamic covenant. Okay? We find this in Genesis chapter 15. And in that covenant that God made with Abram, this is really important, so I want you to stay with me. In this covenant that God made with Abraham, He promised him three major aspects of this covenant it was the land that He was going to give him and his descendants. It was a lineage, in other words, it was a son that was going to be born, a promised son that was going to be born to him and his wife Sarah in their old age. And finally, it was a Lord, or a, uh, the God, the Savior. So it was land, it was a lineage, and it was the Lord. And the Lord, the Savior, a Messiah, would come out of this lineage of Abraham, also known as the Jewish the 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 foundation the foundational couple of the Jewish nation. As a result of this promise, Sarah and Abraham got a little bit uh, worried. They they took matters into their own hands. They started to doubt the promise of God. And so Sarah said, "I'm going to. I want you, Abraham, to take uh, my servant Hagar, which was a an Egyptian girl that they had." Um, that had joined their family uh, when they went down to Egypt, and I want to make her your, you know, your concubine. So she is going to serve as a surrogate, so that you can have this promised child that God has said that we would have. Well, that wasn't in the plan of God. God said He was going to give Isaac the son, the promised son, as a miraculous birth. How I many you know? It's pretty miraculous at 90 and 100 years old for you to have a child, right? And so God said, this birth is going to be miraculous. But they took matters into their own hands. Um, uh, Hagar, the woman, had a son, and they named him Ishmael. Ishmael was a son of the flesh. He was the son of man taking things in his own hands, trying to fulfill the commandments and the promises of God in their own strength and their own ability. And now the promise... Was in question. Would Abraham and Sarah actually have the promised son? A few years later, God was faithful to fulfill his promise. This promised son, Isaac, uh, was born, and Isaac would be the inheritor of the lineage, of the promise, of the Lord and of the land. Um, and all of these promises that were given in the Abrahamic covenant were rightfully, uh, Isaac was rightfully the heir of these promises. As a result, Ishmael would no longer be the heir of the land, of the inheritance in terms of the the nation and of the Lord. And so Sarah cast out Hagar. And as a result of that family feud over who would have control over the land, who would have the lineage and who the Lord, the God, the Messiah would come from, you have a conflict in a family. You've got Two wives, you've got one husband, and you've got two sons. And there's where the conflict began in this war that we find today among the Arab people and the Jewish people. Did you know that the Arab nations that adhere to the teachings of Islam are committed to driving Israel uh, off the face of the earth, exterminating the, the, the Jewish people, from the face of the earth, taking their land and through jihad, aggression and violence, setting up their own nation in the land of Israel. And so this is the war that's taking place in the natural, but has at its origins a spiritual conflict. And Satan, Satan hates the Jewish people. This is what is so important for us to understand. Satan hates the Jewish people. Why? Because they represent the redemptive plans of Almighty God. Not only by giving the Messiah, but also through the scriptures in the last days and how these events are going to play out, resulting in the kingdom of God being established and a new heaven and new earth being established. The Jews are people that want to live in peace and be left alone, and yet it seems like every evil superpower in the world has hated them and sought to destroy them for thousands of years. I ask the question why, and I want to let you know that the news will tell you that there's ideological, there's political, and there's even religious answers to this question. But I want today to give you the biblical answer. I believe Israel has been the primary target of the enemy for this reason. Satan incites hatred toward the Jewish people because of the redemptive plan of God. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, reads this And the dragon, this is metaphorical language in the book of Revelation, and the dragon, the dragon represents Satan, stood before the woman, which represents Israel, who was ready to give birth, talking about give birth to the promise the Savior of the world, to devour her child as soon as it was born. Satan hates the redemptive plan of God. And so he's doing everything that he can do to remove Israel, remove the people of God, remove the Jewish people, um, so that the word of God does not come to pass. And when I say that the Jewish people are God's people, I'm saying this morning that we should stand with those people. But when I say that we stand with the Jewish people, I'm not taking an anti-Arab position. It doesn't mean that we should demonstrate lovelessness toward the Palestinian people. We're not at war against people. We are, however, at war against evil. We're at war against evil. I'm going to say it again. We're not at war against people. We are at war against evil. And what we are seeing on the news today through Hamas is nothing less than sheer evil against the Jewish people and against their own people as they are using them as human shields. The innocent people that are suffering as a result of their evil. And I want you to realize, again, it's not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Um, Many people would say that Hamas is the enemy of Israel today or Hezbollah is the enemy or Iran is the enemy. But the truth itself is that Satan is the enemy and he's been working since the beginning of time diligently to destroy this nation. Why should we care about this at all? Why should we as a nation or better yet followers of Jesus as Christians? Why should we care about this conflict and why should we stand with Israel? Some would say it's because there's a strategic bridge to the Middle East. Or some would say that because uh, the, the Jewish nation of Israel is our strongest political ally, both are which are true. Um, our nations share commonality in things like religion, democracy, and freedom. But we've also been linked together arm in arm since their establishment as a nation in 1948. But I want to present to you the reasons uh, that Israel should stand. With Israel, And the main reason being this is that we have a biblical mandate as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, to stand with Israel. And I'm going to give you this morning uh, three reasons why we as a people, as followers of Christ, stand with Israel. And the first thing I want to point out to you is that we stand with Israel because, number one, Israel has a right to the land. Israel has a right to the land. This is the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 15, verse 8. And listen to this. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Israel's right to the land is not an illegitimate occupation. We hear a lot about that. The common narrative is that Israel is occupying land that belongs to the Palestinian people. But the reality and the truth is Israel is not illeg- illegitimate. Not only are they an heir to the land that's been given to them by God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The, Lord, the, the earth, everything in it is the Lord. And the Lord can give it to whoever he wants. He has given it to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. But also, if you didn't believe just the scriptural uh, text, if you didn't believe the biblical narrative, then you also must realize that you can look at archaeology and you can discover and realize that the people of Israel were in the land 2,600 years before Islam was ever begun as a religion in 610 AD. Muhammad started the religion of Islam 610 years after jesus was born the people of god the people of israel were in the land four thousand years ago abraham was in the land for four thousand years and we know this not just because it's in the bible but we know it also through archaeological evidence educate yourself school yourself and understand how that you're going to come to an informed conclusion that will tell you why that these people, Israel, have a right to own the land. The Jews are not illegitimate occupiers, but the legitimate heirs of the promised land. Now, we stand with Israel not only because Israel has a a right to the land, but we stand with Israel because Israel has a responsibility to protect itself. And I would say that, Christian men, you also have a responsibility to protect your family. As soon as the covenant, as soon as the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant was uttered, a demonic attack began for those three things, the land, um, the lineage, and the Lord, the promise of God, the plan, the redemptive plan of God. And the current war in the Middle East began. It's a feud of 4,000 years in the making. It's not been solved by political means, and it won't be solved by political means. We're not going to be able to show up the president of the United States and negotiate a peace treaty that will last. The scripture tells us that between these two people in the last days, there will be a war that takes place on the last days at the Battle of Armageddon where these two groups are uh, in war. So there will be no peace until the Prince of Peace, Jesus, shows up and makes his kingdom and establishes his kingdom here on this earth. It's ultimately a spiritual war between good and evil. And this is what you need to know, this man named Muhammad that started the Islamic religion. Even their own scripture will tell you the story about how he was visited, in his words, by an angel. This is 610 A.D. This is after Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and after you know, the message of the gospel has gone into the other parts of the world. And Muhammad began to hear from this angel um, that he wanted to establish a new religion. What was actually what he thought was an angel was actually a demon. And this demon began to give him instructions. And what this demon did was start to rewrite the ancient text, the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. So what happened was this demon started to tell Muhammad uh, that the Abrahamic covenant was not to the people of Isaac, was not, the promise seed was not Isaac, but the promise seed was actually Ishmael. Ishmael was the one who was supposed to get the land. Ishmael was was the one who was supposed to have uh, the the people, the inheritance of of establishing a nation. And Ishmael was the one in whom the Messiah was going to come. That Messiah being known as Allah. Allah. Not the Lord Jesus Christ, but Allah. There is a difference. The God of the Muslim people is not the God of the scriptures, of the Bible that you and I know. And so, this demon began to communicate, reveal his redemptive plan, demonic plan for, for the world. And this demonic plan uh, introduced itself as imposition. So, in other words, the Muslim the, the text says that you shall be you you shall go into all the nations. You shall set up a caliphate. Convert people, and if they will not convert, then you convert them by the sword. You give them a choice of life and death, and this is what we see happening in various parts of the world. But we also see this in the nation of Israel. And even their own, Hamas' own, um, their own uh, establishment of who they are and their mission says that they, they will not uh, be successful until they drive Israel out as a nation and they remove all the Jewish people from the face of the earth. This is not an invitation as is Christianity. Christianity gives people an invitation. Choose whom this day you're going to serve. Choose to follow the Lord. But the Islamic doctrine is to su- subject you and to force you and to make you make a decision regardless if that's a, a for your will or is that, if that's against your will. And it's all deception. It's all uh, taking the text and rewriting the text because everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything that God gives, Satan wants to steal. Everything that God does, Satan wants to undo. He wants to remove the plans, the redemptive plans of God. It's all deception. And the fight that we see on today's news headlines Uh, for Israel is a just war. You can read about just war in theology, just just war, I'll just give you a brief definition of it. The just war theory says this, that an armed conflict is only moral as a last resort waged by legitimate government for moral reasons and using moral means. A just war, listen to me, is not morally equivalent to a holy war moral equivalent says this you do bad and the bad that you do is just as bad as the bad that i'm doing but there's different levels to what can be determined as right and what what is wrong or what is evil and what is just bad and so we have a responsibility to be clear israel has a responsibility this is a no-win situation they have a responsibility to protect themselves, but this is a no-win situation. If they do not strike back, they'll lose because Hamas will continue to plot against Israel and attack. In addition, it will encourage other terrorist organizations and nations to, the, to do the same. However, if they do strike back, they have to attack civilian targets, which is leading to the global protest that we see. And so their strategy is to hide in schools, in hospitals, in mosques, This is evil because it is killing innocent people. And yet at the same time, the nation of Israel is dropping pamphlets and leaflets. They're giving them the opportunity to flee that area, to go south, to get out of the areas that could be bombed. They're asking for Egypt to open up its borders. Egypt won't open their borders. And so I'm coming to tell you here today that the solution is not for Israel not to protect itself. The solution is the people that can do something about this, Hamas, And the people of Egypt opening up their borders and letting the innocent Palestinian people escape, escape, and go to safe places. But they won't let that happen because that is their strategy to victory. They know they they cannot win by standing toe-to-toe with the nation of Israel. And so they're being placed as human shields. So the dilemma is this. If you don't attack them, they're going to destroy you. And if you Do attack them, the international community will cry injustice. But Israel, I want to tell you today, are waging a just war by protecting their people. I want you to read, I want you to listen to the scripture in Romans chapter 13. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those uh, that are in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but are in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, listen to this, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. Amen? And so Israel has a right to the land. They have a responsibility to protect themselves. And finally, we stand with Israel. And as you guys would come and play, we stand with Israel because Israel has a special role in the redemptive plan of God in the last days. Let me read this Scripture to you in Luke chapter 21, verse 24 through 28. Jesus is talking here. This is in red letter. He was in context talking about how Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans. The city of Jerusalem. He said, they will be killed, talking about the Jewish people, by the sword or sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. What that means is the Jews would be scattered abroad into all the nations of the world. But that time of the Gentile occupation of Jerusalem and of Israel, it would come to an end. And the prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, prophesied, they predicted a time that would come in which the God would send uh, out a message to the Jewish people, and they would gather from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and they would come back to Israel and Jerusalem. They would come back into that land, and they would be declared a nation even in one day, Isaiah chapter 66. And there will be strange signs. In the moon and the sun and the stars and on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. People will be terrified by what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. On May 14, 1948, a number of Jewish leaders met in the Tel Aviv Museum of Art. There was an overflow crowd there to hear the Prime Minister David Gurion read the Israeli Declaration of Independence. That same day, President of the United States Harry Truman officially recognized the new nation. In an instant, the modern-day nation of Israel came into existence. And to most historians, the rebirth of Israel was not such a huge deal in the 20th century. They would point to World War I or World War II or the Cold War or they would talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis or the Apollo Moon landing. But God has a different perspective. He has a different point of view. He says that the rebirth of Israel as a nation is one of the most notable events of all time. Why? Because the sign of Israel's return, he says, his disciples came and they asked him, what should be the sign of your coming? Not just wars and rumors of wars and famine and, pest and, so, and all these things and natural disasters. Not just these things, but also the signs of the prophetic declaration of the Old Testament. Look for these signs, Jesus says, in the last days. Jesus said that Israel will return as a nation before he returns. He said that the time of the Gentiles will one day be over. That time is today. Jesus also said that the Jewish people would be back in Jerusalem as well as the Old Testament prophets predicted that. What are the other signs to look for in the last days? That the gospel, Jesus said, would be preached throughout the world. Matthew 24, verse 14. That there would be an increase in travel and knowledge. Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4. It's easier now to get anywhere in the world than it has ever been, especially since the time of Daniel. The Old Testament prophet, he's saying that in the last days... You can increase travel and knowledge. In the last days, Jesus said the gospel is going to be preached throughout the world. Today, we have TVs and satellites and the internet. The gospel is being preached throughout the world. There's going to be an increase in... Uh, or there's going to be the arrival of the exponential curve. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3-8, through eight, He said that these are the birth pangs. These are the signs of the time. They're like birth pangs. When a woman goes into labor... She has contractions and those contractions get increasingly intense and they get increasingly frequent. Jesus is saying these prophetic signs are going to increase in the last days. They're going to increase intensity and they're going to increase in frequency. Israel is going to be surrounded by their enemies. Psalm 83 verse 4 says this. Come. Let us wipe away the nation of Israel. Let's destroy the memory of its existence. Does that sound familiar? Israel's, another sign is going to be Israel's exceedingly great army. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 10. You can find this passage about how the army of Israel often in the time of their existence since 1948 and the wars that they've been in, outnumbered 50 to 1, but somehow prevailing by the sovereignty of Israel. And the plan, the redemptive plan of God, the, arri- the, the arrival of Israel's exceedingly great army, the rise of Gog and the Magog alliance. You can read about this in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. There's going to be a conglomeration of nations, Muslim nations, that come against the nation of Israel. They're going to come from the north, they're going to be uh, Russia and Iran and Syria, other nations such as Libya. They're going to come from the south and the north. They're going to converge on Israel for the Battle of Armageddon. And be on the lookout for this. This is what we see now. If Iran joins the war against Israel, then Russia will join as a result. Syria will join as a result. And if you get Russia and Syria and you get Turkey, then you're going to get China and you're going to get North Korea, and then the United States of America will have to step in. This is known as World War III. So be on the lookout as to the signs of the time, the rise of the Gog and Magog alliance, the rise of a united Europe through the European Union, Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7 of Daniel, Revelation chapter 17, the rise of global government. When, When government agencies get together now, world leaders, they talk about how we can create this one world government. That's been the talk. The rise of uh, Daniel says that there's going to be another sign is going to be the denial of the signs. Peter, the apostle of Jesus, the follower of Jesus, says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through 4. He says this, knowing, as he prophesied, knowing this first, that mockers or scoffers will come in the last days, living according to their own. Flesh and their own desires and their own lusts. And this is what they will say Where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his second coming? You've been talking about Jesus returning any day now. It's never happened. It's not going to happen, these mockers are going to say. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. There's going to be a denial of these signs, and there's going to be a rise of people who mock the promise of the second coming of Jesus. And finally, the sign of the times of this w- is, is this one word, convergence. Convergence. You know what that means? That all the signs together are greater than one of the signs individually. This sign isn't a single sign, but it's convergence of all the signs. Jesus and his prophets said to look for. For the first 18 centuries of Christianity, not one of the previous signs was present. Today, they all are. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse uh, 28, When you see all these things begin to happen, look up, lift your heads, for your redemption draws near. Luke chapter 21, verse 36 Watch, therefore, Jesus is giving us what we're to be about doing in these last days. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. These events that are unfolding right now, they may be the coming of the fulfillment of the final prophecies that lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ. They may. They may not. I don't know. While the world is gripped with fear and that the end might be near the believer, should be guided with faith by that knowing that although this is true if the end is near then the Lord is near for the Christian this life is as close to hell as we will ever be and the end of this life is the beginning of the life that we've all been waiting for for the non-Christian this life is as close to heaven as they will ever be and the end of this life is the beginning of the judgment that they have been hoping to avoid therefore be ready to both stand with Israel and be ready to stand before God. I've said this quote earlier. Corey Timboom said this. She said, if you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to God, you will be at rest. At rest. I want you to join. I want you to join with me stand up all across this room this morning I'm gonna go on a little bit long and I want to close in prayer but perhaps there are those in this place this morning and I don't believe that you're here in person or online by chance I believe that God does all things on purpose for a purpose and with a purpose and you were here today because God predestined for you to be here because he wanted you To hear that even in the midst of a world of turmoil, a world of hostility, a world that is unstable and a world of violence, a world of fear and upheaval, that you can find rest by looking up. Looking up is what the apostle Paul said to the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. St. John, the follower of Jesus, the follower of Jesus said these words. And I'm going to close with this. He said these words in Revelation chapter one, verse seven, look or behold, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes. And amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let us bow our heads in prayer. And if you're not right with the Lord this morning, today is your sign and it's a warning sign that the Lord will come at an hour which you do not know. Will you be ready to stand before God? To stand before God and to be right with God is to have your sins forgiven. It's to have the distance that has been created by your sin from you and God to be removed and now you and God can be at peace whereas through your sin, you have been born in sin separated from God now because of what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection and the forgiveness that he offers in salvation by giving you the option, the invitation to repent of your sin, to allow the Lord Jesus to come to be your savior, to forgive you all of your sin. This is your opportunity, yet today is the day of salvation for you. You don't have to be separated from God. You don't have to be distant from God, but you you can be drawn near, you can be brought near because of the sacrifice, the blood that Jesus shed for you. It draws you near. All you have to do today is to repent of your sin Confess him as Lord and acknowledge him as your Savior and the leader of your life. So let's do that all across this room and online today, Lord. Maybe there are those that perhaps are not ready should you return. Father, I ask today, Lord, that your Spirit, Lord, would convict them even right now. Show them, Lord, reveal to them, Lord, that they are not ready. If they do not know Christ, If they haven't made you their Savior and their Lord, then they are not going to escape the wrath that is to come. But we know that, Lord, you are a God of peace and of salvation. And you have come, Lord, that in this period, this era of the church, this era of grace, Lord, the door to heaven, the door to eternal life is wide open. All that we have to hear is the call and respond to the voice and you said that we can enter into eternal life but lord those doors will not always be open it's your second coming you're not coming back as the lamb of god you're coming back as the lion of the tribe of judah to execute justice and to set things right that the evil in this world will be destroyed that judgment will come. You will separate those that are right with you from those who have done wrong. And Lord, you will punish those who have not accepted your son. So Lord, while there is time, while there is opportunity, I plead for you, each and every one of you, as an ambassador, as, as a voice for the Lord, be reconciled to God. Today is the day of salvation. Repent of your sins. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Allow Him to come into your life to give you eternal life. Follow Him, and He will give you rest. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at VictoryWinchester.com.